welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Life on the Frontline series. It feels rather uh, a little bit hypocritical or disingenuous to be launching a new sermon series today called Life on the Frontline when actually I've been uh, in retreat really for, uh, for, for months. Um, but I know that I hope you've managed to have a, a, a chance for a rest over the summer as well and uh, actually looking forward to the new term ahead and all that God has for us, all the different opportunities that he's got for us. We're, we're going to be finding out how he can, how, where he is leading us and how he is uh, leading us to serve him effectively. But and that is on our front line, as Andy has introduced. We all have a front line of ministry where we are. And you, but you might associate the word frontline with a sort of a military term. Uh, we hear about the front lines in Ukraine and places like that. But Paul reminds us in Ephesians, our battle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms. And wherever we find ourselves, whether that's at work or it's at home or it's just uh, in, out and about in the community, there will be places where we connect with those who do not yet follow Christ. And these places are the spiritual front lines. These are the places where the battle is raging because God wants his kingdom to advance, the kingdom of light to overcome the kingdom of darkness. And our job is to be there to prepare the way of the Lord, to respond to his prompting, to be his hands and feet in those situations. Wherever we go, there is possibility and potential. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever our situation is, there is kingdom potential. The thing is, you may not even realize sometimes the impact you're having, and that you may not even realize how much of a front line uh, there is where you are. Just, um, just in the last couple of weeks, Mims and I were in North Wales, and we were finishing our time away. When I, I spoke to a fellow called Phil, at the caravan van site when we were, where we were staying. Uh, he and his wife have been going to the same place for many, many years, uh, like we have. And, uh, and I asked him how he was doing after a cancer scare uh, that he'd had some years back. And uh, I was amazed that he replied, well, you told me you'd pray for me uh, seven years ago, and that was seven years ago this week. Uh, so somebody must have been listening, hey? So you just don't know. You just don't know. The, the, little, the little things that you say that actually people remember and uh, make a little impact on people. And when Jesus met his disciples for the last time before his ascension in Galilee, he commissioned them. He commissioned them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything he commanded. And that is known, this is known as the Great Commission because it's great. This is the Great Commission. And it wasn't just an instruction for the 11 disciples. It was for all of us down the centuries, including us here today. What a privilege. He is commissioning us. He's commissioning you and me. But before we unpack what that means, the Great Commission, there are just some details I want you to look at in the rest of the verses that we read. Really help us get to grips with where our front line is and what it means for us to be commissioned to do God's mission today. Firstly, Jesus instructed his disciples to meet him in Galilee. 
which is interesting. It wasn't Jerusalem. It wasn't in the center of power. It wasn't in the place of influence. It wasn't in uh, the busyness of that place. But it was actually in the home community where the disciples sprung from. It was their home base. And Galilee was where they grew up, where they fished, where they walked and talked with their families, uh, where they were active in the community. Making disciples starts on our doorsteps with our immediate friends, our neighbours, our colleagues, those that we work with, those that we're alongside on a daily basis. And our front lines are rarely glamorous. They're rarely the places of power and influence. They are where we are in our local setting. And God may be calling you to recognise where is your front line? Where are you spending your time this time tomorrow? Like we heard the guys today, where are you this time tomorrow? Is that your front line? Have you thought of it in terms of God may be asking you to minister right there on your front line? Secondly, there's a fascinating side note in verse 17 that tells us that when the disciples saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Isn't that an interesting verse? Interesting phrase for the last couple of verses of Matthew's gospel. You'd think you'd want to go out on a big flourish, like everybody was like, yippee, yeah, whoa. Actually, no. People were like, whoa. Some doubted. Some doubted. What a wonderful way to Matthew, uh, to, for Matthew to end his gospel. But because doubts go with the territory of faith. We all have doubts now and again. We all wrestle with questions. We are all not sorted in the faith. We don't know uh, what, sometimes whether we're coming or going. And as I learned from Dietrich Bonhoeffer during my sabbatical, discipleship is not simply striving for that perfect saintly life where you have everything sorted and you know everything that is to come. You know, you make perfect decisions all the time. How could he make perfect decisions? A double agent um, um, uh, with an assassination plot of Hitler, uh, being a pastor, writing a book on ethics. It is enough to fry your brain. And often, who feels like their brain is frying? Mine, often, I spent a lot of my sabbatical wrestling over different questions that have difficult and maybe intractable solutions. But... Bonhoeffer came to the view that the best place to learn real deeper faith is in amongst life's mess and the questions. He wrote, it's in its tasks and questions, in its successes and failures, in its experiences and perplexities. That's where we learn faith. That is where the rubber hits the road. You can be a doubtful Christian, but you are still included in the Great Commission. The Lord is sending in you, nevertheless, you do not have to have it all together to be sent. Now, you might be wondering where you fit into the life of the church. You might be thinking, do I have a ministry? You know, do you, you might be thinking, I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't even understand it. Some of it makes me mad. Some of it is weird. Some of it I don't even understand. I don't understand these other Christians. They're mad and weird. Do I, is God calling me when I have so many perplexities? The answer is, yes, he is, and he's sending you, nevertheless. If he's sending Andy Pierce, he can send anybody. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> 
third thing to note is what it says in verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, therefore go. We don't serve on our front lines in our own strength or by our own authority. We serve because we're sent in the authority of Jesus. It's not because of us and how cool or great we are. It's because of how cool and great Jesus is. That's why we're going. That's why we're sent. We want to go because he's asking us to go and he has all the authority. In, verse, in John 15, verse 5, he says, Without me, you can't do anything. But if a person remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Stick with Jesus and he will make you fruitful. Now, have you ever been blessed because you've known somebody in authority? We experienced that on our sabbatical, on my sabbatical. One of my sabbatical goals was to find some Italian, long-lost Italian relatives. It was a bit of a laugh, really. But um, we were going to northern Italy, which is where my name, Iacomeni, comes from. So we thought it'd be really cool if we could connect with some preferably wealthy, long-lost um, <laughs> Italian relatives. Um, but it was a joy, actually. We tracked down Irene Iacomeni. Um, the, the wonders of the internet. But she owns a pizzeria near Luca. Yes! We have a pizzeria only. Yeah, wonderful. And, uh, but so we went along, we travelled along, and we decided, well, let's see if we can get in. And we asked the, the waitress, you know, have you got a table for two? And she said, have you made a reservation? We said, oh, no, we haven't. And she went, oh, I'm sorry. We're fully booked tonight. Like this. And I was like, oh, no. But then I spotted Irene in the back from her Facebook profile. I recognized her. And I said, is that Irene Iacomeni? And she said, yes, it is. I said, can I have a quick word? I went and saw Irene. I said, we are Iacomenis from England. We've come to see you. And she went, oh, welcome, welcome. <laughs> and she was thrilled. She, needless to say, very quickly, we were sorted out with a table, glass of wine, wonderful pizza. Mims had the best burger ever. And they say, it's not what you know. It's not what you know. And in the Great Commission, it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's the same for us. Jesus has given us the authority to go into battle at our front line. And he will provide all the resources and backup you need. He'll encourage you. He'll be with you. Now, you might be feeling like you wouldn't know what to say. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just a quick prayer in situ is what he suggests. Jesus told his disciples, even if you're taken to court, don't worry. Instead, just say whatever's given you at the time, it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. What we're instructed to do is say, Lord, what should I say? And just say something kind. Just say something thoughtful. So the key is just to take each day as it comes, walking with the Holy Spirit. And the Great Commission starts with those familiar words, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but my first instinct when I hear those words is you think, I'm going to get on a boat, I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to be in grass mud huts, I'm going to be preaching the word in, in foreign places. 
I don't know if it's, is, that, is that just me? That's, that's the way it sort of strikes me. But actually, that's just where our translations have got it a little bit skewy. Because the word to go, the original Greek to, for the word to just go, is actually a participle. It means, it's better translated, as you're going. As you're going. In fact, the way we should understand it really, as you're going, disciple everybody. As you're going, disciple everybody. That seems a much more everyday emphasis to me. We can do mission without air miles. Mission is here. It's as you're going. As you're going out the door today, that's the Great Commission. So wherever your front line is, disciple everyone. Jesus then goes on to explain what that means, what it means to disciple. Discipling entails two things. He says, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching everything he commanded. Now, I know we don't have baptistry pools in our schools, and we can't just, like, there's that wonderful film, isn't there, where he says, I'm just worried about your salvation. He whams him into, a, into an oil drum of water. I said, I just wanted to baptize you. But it's not like that. But baptism is, is that outward sign, isn't it, of an inner change, of that inner conversion. When people put faith in Jesus, they come to demonstrate that in baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it is about receiving from God the ministry that he gives us. It's about washing away sin. It's about dying to our old way of life, being born again. It's about going public for Christ. So how do we encourage people to go public for Christ? It's to encourage them ourselves with our own story, perhaps even telling them about our own way of hope. Now, you and I cannot save anybody. We cannot save anybody. We can't even change anybody's thinking. We can't argue somebody into the kingdom of God. That is hopeless. It is only the Holy Spirit who transforms hearts and brings people to repentance. That's his job. That's what he loves to do. But we can share our hope. We can share our story. We can invite people to inquire more. We can lead what somebody called lead a questionable life. Invite people to ask your questions about the way you live. Maybe the way we live might invoke some questions of people. Why do you live this way? It's different from other people. Why are you so kind? Why do you have a rhythm of prayer in your life? Why do you do these things? And as Romans 2 verse 4 says, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And I've always found it's very rare for people to refuse when I offer to pray for them. It's just my top tip. If you say, would you like some prayer for that? I, very rarely people say, no, I don't want that. They go, oh, yeah, thank you. Particularly when people are in need. You know, people just are looking for answers. And prayer helps. It brings God into the conversation. If you say, I'd like to pray about that. Sometimes there's an opportunity to pray there and then. Maybe there isn't. You just say, I'll pray about that. But you have to remember to try and do it, actually, to pray. Now, a fellow called Dave Faulkner put it like this. What do these verses boil down to? Simply this, that disciples make disciples. There are those who have a special gift in this area. We sometimes call them evangelists. But even though we are not all evangelists, 
Some have suggested that perhaps just 10% of church members have that evangelism gift. All disciples are witnesses. All of us are witnesses to what Christ has done. Wherever you are, this time tomorrow, it is a place where God has put you to live before others as a disciple of Jesus. Not simply for the sake of being holy, your own holiness, but for the sake of those you meet. You are living for the sake of other people. If others ask you about your Christian faith, perhaps tell them about your baptism. Was it special? What's happened since? I don't know when you got baptised. Have you been baptised yet? Maybe there's time to... We could do it afterwards. Now. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'd love to do that. On the last Sunday, I'd love to do that. It'd be great fun. Oh, October the 9th, there's a... There's Oh, Kevin's going to be baptised on the 9th. Awesome, mate. What a privilege. I won't be here, mate. Oh, I'll have to watch the video. There we go. But um, anyway, if you haven't been baptised yet, do it. Because I think, I think I remember when Kevin came, you came to Helen's baptism first, and that really struck a chord. That was a real great witness. So uh, it's a, just a joy. I was, I was so chuffed that uh, what happened over the summer was... Uh, two folks from Oasis got baptised uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. What a wonderful thing. So in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray and help people move towards God. The next step in discipling others is teaching what Jesus commanded. Now, of course, he, he taught many things. He, you know, whole rooms of books wouldn't wouldn't uh, contain all that he said. But mainly, what Jesus taught boils down to three sentences. Three only. Three commands. The great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's number one, the great commandment. The next one, the royal commandment. The royal commandment. Have you heard of that? Love your neighbor. As yourself. And finally, let's not forget this one because this is the clincher and the toughest one. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So actually, that's an upgrade on loving your neighbor. It's harder than just loving your neighbor as you love yourself because it's trying to imitate Jesus in the way that we love. Now, that's a tough call, because where did love take Jesus? To the cross. His love was self-sacrificial. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, his one and only son. Whoever, whosoever, believes will not perish, but have eternal life. Loving God, love your neighbour, love one another. Those three things is what Jesus taught seems simple doesn't it but it takes a lifetime to unpack what that really means and get to grips with it I was interested that in the last couple of weeks both Rick Warren and Nicky Gumbel have retired from leading their churches they're not going to stop they're just doing ministry in a different capacity uh, they've got wonderful plans for 20, uh, 2023 or I think it is uh, just very exciting just uh, figure out what they're doing 
But Mims and I listened to Rick and Kay Warren's last talk from Saddleback while we were in North Wales. Somehow we managed to get a signal and just enough time to listen to their last talk. And it was entitled, If We Could Say One Thing to You After 40 Years of Ministry. If We Could Say One Thing After 40 Years of Ministry. And uh, Kay Warren preached about saying yes to God. Because God never let them down. God never lets you down. It's the best way to live. And Rick's uh, sermon simply concluded, learn to love better. That's how we do discipleship. Learn to love better. The goal, that is the goal of the Christian life that brings glory to God. Learning to love better should be the first priority for the rest of my life. Loving God, love your neighbor, love one another. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. But the good news is that Jesus helps us to do that. The final words of the Great Commission are what? I am with you always. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we do not do this alone. He doesn't send us out and say, cheerio. I am with you always. He is with us providing the resources, the encouragement, the power, the fellowship, the koinonia, the, the fellowship of a church, the encouragement. He is with us always. And he's with us by his Holy Spirit. He's with us now. He's with us to recommission us today. He's with us to give us a fresh start again today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.